0: Hello, and welcome to the Over the Barricade Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Downing, joined as always by my co-host, my tag team partner, the one, the only, the deadliest catch, Lee Brando. How's it going, Ryan? Uh, it's uh, it's going well. We're um I, I can we say that we're like on location when we're not actually on location anywhere specifically? We're, we're just on
1: location at an undisclosed location gathering of nerds.
0: Is, it a, is that a Gallows and Anderson gimmick, or actual nerds? Actual. Oh, okay.
1: Flesh and blood. Um, so Nerds. <laughs> we, uh, we're going to keep it short this week. We're looking... We're solely going we're, to review the most important thing that happened last week, and that would, of course, be the January 4th Tokyo Dome show.
0: I thought you were going to say that the most important thing was the New Year's uh, edition of Raw.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, no. Well, <laughs> if, if it's a competition between the two, I think there's a clear winner. I agree with you completely. Um,
0: so uh yeah, we're strictly talking New Japan this week. Um, we are going to go through match by match uh our thoughts on the Wrestle Kingdom 12 card. Um and uh well, I
1: guess we have no
0: reason to delay. Um, do you want to talk about the New Japan Rumble? Because it's never really of any consequence, although we did get to see Cheeseburger and some funny moments.
1: Yeah, there was some cool surprise entrance, um, you know, a good, not redemption, but return story, a good happy feeling story to the end of it. Um, the things I want to point out, though, is that this year did, uh, just under 35,000 by just under, I mean, 34,995 paid in attendance, With a total of 43,000 people there. So that is the biggest crowd for a Japanese pro wrestling event in about 15 years. um, Which is nuts. And it looked pretty full to me. Um, Those
0: New Japan shows, because of the way the Tokyo Tokyo Dome is kind of set up... It's, it's a little bit of a weird um, setup they have for it because there's so many floor seats. Um, but they, uh, they were able to fill it in relatively nicely. You saw the access rows for everybody to get uh, to and from their seats depending on where they were sitting. And for the performers to be able to go to the back without necessarily having to go up the ramp every time. I um, mean, With the way that Wrestle Kingdom works and the way that New Japan typically works, it makes sense for them to go a different direction because then you don't have to worry about holding up whatever's coming next specifically because of a performer that hasn't left yet.
1: Right.
0: What do you think of the stage and the setup?
1: I thought it was... You could tell there was a production budget, but it wasn't too overblown. It wasn't too overproduced like WWE is. Um, not that that's a bad thing, but I prefer... The look of this, where you could tell it was a big show. You could tell it was prestigious. You could tell it was big league, uh, not amateur at all. But it didn't take focus off what was important, uh, which is that ring. And uh, certainly in
0: that ring, some great matches on the night. Let's start at the beginning of the card after the New Japan Rumble, because technically the card started with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. With Rapongi 3K, Show and Yo, with their director Rocky Romero at ringside, defending against the uh, challengers, of course, in this instance the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. Uh, this match was back and forth throughout. Some of the spots we're pretty used to seeing from the uh, from the Young Bucks at this point. Show and Yo had some really good moments. But in the end, submission victory for the Young Bucks, defeating Rapongi 3K. And, of course, for Punky 3K, just winning those titles a couple of months ago and then losing them right back to the Young Bucks.
1: Uh, Yeah, it was an uncharacteristically short tag team championship reign, but we do have the Young Bucks of the Bullet Club coming back for their seventh um, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship reign. Seven.
0: Seven. Seven, indeed. Match went about 19 minutes, had some pretty big
1: spots, Was certainly. uh, I think everyone looked great. I mean, I think Show and Yo are definitely well on their way. Of course, they involved Rocky a little bit, so I think it was a great opener.
0: Yeah, I I think uh, from what I understand, they uh, have opened with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match pretty uh, pretty regularly. For, yeah. I think Kevin Kelly had made mention of they would four or five or six years in a row that they've opened with that I think match. It was
1: five, uh, I didn't write it down because we don't do that. Uh,
0: that would require extra work. Yeah, I think it
1: was five, the fifth year in a row. Yeah,
0: yeah. So um, and it's well deserved. The Young Bucks have been involved in a lot of those matches, so it's not super surprising. Um, and of course, this continues a storyline between the Young Bucks and Rocky Romero, who uh recently retired quote retired he stepped back from necessarily being full-time in ring to uh let beretta trent beretta have a chance to go have a singles career um, we'll get to trent beretta and that singles career in a little bit uh but Rapungi vice went up against the young bucks for a couple of years and now of course the rivalry continues with Rapongi 3k mm-hmm. so uh, new champions in the Young Bucks to get us started. Good start to the night for the Bullet Club. Uh, we would see as the night went on how that would go. However, speaking of Trent Beretta, the f- next match was the Gauntlet match for the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championships. This um,
1: surprised me.
0: This was a very surprising uh, turn of events. We started the match with uh, Suzuki Gun um, and. Uh, War Machine plus Michael Elgin, and uh, War Machine and Michael Elgin get eliminated first in the uh, Gauntlet match setup. They were immediately followed. The th- first, uh, excuse me, the third entrance into the match were Beretta, Ishii, and Yano, who all represented Chaos in this instance. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, they picked up the win, the pinfall over Suzuki Goon, A Yano, a Yano, uh. Fall to uh, eliminate Suzuki-gun from this match. And uh, following them, Taguchi Japan would make their entrance. Uh, Ryusuke uh, Taguchi, Togi Makabe, and Juice Robinson. Uh, Juice Robinson, who was incorrectly labeled on the title card, as David Finley. I don't know how you made that mistake, but... Oh, they all look alike. Apparently. Uh, and surprisingly, they were eliminated by Beretta Ishii, and Yano, and yeah, then of
1: course... The surprises are just getting started. The
0: Bullet Club comes out. Fale, Tama Tonga, and Tongaloa, Loa, uh, Bad Lock Fale and the Gorillas of Destiny, um, come out, and they proceeded to lose to Beretta, Ishii, and Yano. Um, and that is your new six-man tag team champions, Beretta, Ishii, and Yano. What?
1: Yeah, uh, you know... With Beretta, you know, supposedly going on a singles career, to end up in the six man, I guess it's not the. I guess that's the, he can't never be a singles competitor, but uh, this is weird, and I didn't think they they were gonna put Yano there, um, and the the pairing is just such a uh, strange bedfellows. Buy um, that man's
0: DVDs. Yeah.
1: So. This was one of the more surprising finishes for me on the entire show, but not necessarily in a bad way.
0: From there, uh, we move on to the special singles match between Kota Ibushi and the American Nightmare Cody, uh, of course, escorted to the ring, as always, by his lovely wife, Brandy Rhodes. This match, no title on the line, originally booked as a Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship match, but, of course, Cody losing that ROH World title to uh to dalton castle yes um and so this just became
1: a singles match and this was hard hitting hard hitting uh, i liked the way that they incorporated brandy uh i thought that that was clever i thought it allowed cody's character to develop a little bit uh he's he's a total madman basically yep uh and uh it, it was a good match it was a solid match um it's At this point, this is when I started to notice that every match was kind of going around a similar length, which was – it's not a criticism, but I could see how if you have a lot of new people uh, tuning in for this, you know, event because of Jericho and, you know, your attendance is up almost 10,000 people from the year before, so – your your we'll we'll have the vigor soon but your internet viewership is probably going to be up quite a bit too so this might tire some more casual end fans out but still a great match and of course koto bushi uh takes the win which i think probably wouldn't have happened if cody was still ring of honor champion
0: no i think if cody is still ring of honor champion and this is a title match they would have found a way to get cody out of this match without him dropping the belt um, just because Kodo Bushi is not a Ring of Honor performer. And, um, although, you know, you never know. They could have worked something out. That would have been interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not
0: really a Bushi style, though. No, not really. Not from what we can tell. Um, perhaps setting up a Bushi moving forward to have a run at a, a bigger title, maybe the IC title again, although he just got out of a program with Tanahashi. Or, uh, you know, he might go after the uh, never. Openweight Championship, or maybe even the uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship. We'll see what happens. But uh, from there, uh, hard-hitting match that goes into another hard-hitting match. I mean, it is Japanese Strong Style.
1: Yeah, Uh, and this is the time to go all out.
0: The uh, Killer Elite Squad, Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer, defending their IWGP Tag Team Championships against... L.I.J.'s Evil and Sonata, winners of the World Tag League. And as I kind of expected, I think this was the match that was... I like Evil and Sonata, and I don't have a problem with uh, with the Killer Elite Squad, but this was probably the match that had the least amount of my attention.
1: It was a very standard match. It was a very... You know, we have these in. we're bringing in to make our guys look good, and they come in, they do that... Very well, have a very solid match, but when you put it among a lot of spectacular matches or a lot of, you know, above your expectations matches, it came off flatter, I will say, but it still was a very solid match, and there were some pretty cool um, big man spots, specifically by Lance Archer, um, like when he choke slammed evil onto all the young boys. The, the young boys took a beating this night, and, and this was just the beginning of it.
0: Well, they took a beating throughout the night, for sure. Um, and, uh, of course, LIJ end up winning that match. Evil and Sonata are your new tag team champions. Um, just a thing to point out here. This match was not bad. Do not... Please do not take uh, what I'm saying about this as a criticism necessarily against the match. But when you have a, a card like this that's full of great matches, and you have one that's a little different and maybe a little bit more... Uh, I don't know. In a lot of ways it, it felt a little bit routine. It that can hurt it when it's in a card like this. The same match in WWE is probably like a contender for match of the night, almost any night.
1: Yeah, I think it I think um the fact that it was a little flatter though helped with the pace of the overall show because we just had three, you know, kind of crazier end matches, and then we come back to this and it kinda gives you a chance to exhale. Um while still keeping your interest and in still being good, you know, if you're in that arena, if you're in the Tokyo Dome, you can get up, take a bathroom break, whatever. You've sat through the Rumble, you've sat through an hour of, you know, the first three matches. So you get to this. So I think it helped with the overall aesthetic of the show. It played its part very well, and as far as what it needed to accomplish and do, it did a hundred percent.
0: From there, we go into the never open weight championship match: Hair versus Hair. And no seconds death match for the never <laughs> open <Openweight> Way championship. <laughs> and Thank no you seconds. Thank you, uh, Wikipedia, for this wonderful explanation. Uh, Minoru Suzuki defending his championship against Hiroki Goto. Uh, the whole point here is that Chaos and Suzuki Goon would not be involved in any way in this match. And of course, as we saw, a hard hitting match between the two. We expect nothing less between these two. I should stop saying hard-hitting. It's pretty well understood. But suzuki Goon did try to get involved in this match. Yeah. Uh, good on the young boys. <laughs> able to, after all the beating they have taken, manage to uh, hold off almost all of suzuki Goon. The only guy that got into, uh, that was able to get ringside was Yoshitatsu, who was promptly taken out.
1: He got up on the apron, but he didn't get much further
0: than that. No, he did not. Um, He was promptly taken out by a a member of Chaos who... um, Hardcore Japanese fans are going to be mad at me for not remembering exactly who it was. But he was stopped by a member of Chaos, and they were not able to get involved. Goto able to take advantage. Wins the match at uh, 18 minutes and 4 seconds, and... The uh, young boys immediately, the young boys and the officials immediately come in, set up a towel and a chair and uh, a uh, uh, hair clippers, clippers for uh, Suzuki. And Suzuki, who is being dragged to the back by Suzuki Goon, stops, throws them back, and walks back to the ring himself, knocks the chair out of the way, sets down his own chair. Takes the Clippers and buzzes his own hair. Most of his own hair. I'm sure he'll have that cleaned up a little bit. (laughs) I would hope. He maybe not.
1: It it, it is Suzuki. He
0: wanted to do it himself. Um, But Goto is your new never openweight championship. Um, I would say that could be a possibility down the line maybe for Ibushi to challenge. um, If they want to put Ibushi in kind of a title run. Um, Something to think about. After that, we go to the Fatal 4-Way... Ba- or, excuse me, I say Fatal 4-Way. WWE Copy branding right. has ruined me. The 4-Way match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship... Go to the
1: 4-Way Championship Scramble.
0: Uh, champion Marty Skrull defending his title against Hiromu Takahashi Kushida and longtime rival Will Ospreay. Uh, this was a fast match, as you'd expect from the Junior Heavyweights. One of the best... I, this probably stole the show... As far as execution versus expectation, expectations were high, and I think they hit them all nearly perfect. This was a really, really good match that had some great storytelling. Um, Skrull and Osprey at one point working together, uh, which was a story in and of itself. These two have been rivals and facing off against each other for a few years now uh, in various different promotions. Kushida trying to find himself into good opportunities. A Skrull tie- taping Takahashi to the barricade at yeah. one point in this match. And, um, of course, masked Daryl.
1: Uh, well, we don't know if Daryl. We don't know
0: if it's we Daryl. We're not sure. We, it could be someone else. We just don't know. It could uh, be
1: Jimmy the Cat.
0: It could be. It certainly could be Jimmy the Cat. We really, at this point,
1: just don't know. And um you know, they had some really cool spots uh outside the ring. There was some piece of um you know, like Thunderbar, like you know, jungle gym scaffolding that went up at ringside, I guess, to hold the lighting ring in place. And it was touched on in a few matches, but I think of all of them this four way made the most out of that piece of scaffolding, um, for sure. And there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of things like uh, sunset flip power bombs to the outside and stuff all along those lines. So I think it was definitely a very entertaining match, and maybe I agree with you that it it exceeded its expectations um, more than any other match on the show. Yeah, the sunset flip power bombs
0: to the outside were and there were three of them. Takahashi hit two, one on Osprey, one on Skrull, and then not long after that, Kushida, if I remember right, hit another one on Skrull. So, really, again, these junior heavyweights in Japan are just insane. The, some of the stuff and some of the spots they pull, uh, Osprey had some great sh- uh, great moments in this match, Takahashi had great moments, Skrull had some really good moments that were perfect for him and his style. The only guy who... He had a couple of spots, but the only guy I think really didn't need to be in this match may have been Kushida.
1: I think it helped in the build to the match. I Uh, do too. But I don't know if it necessarily... When you look at the structure of the match, um, I I think he had the short end of the stick.
0: Yeah, this match didn't really highlight him. Um, You know, of course, Kushida won best of the Super Juniors last year, uh, but has been trying to get himself back... To winning, having that championship long term again. And um, I, maybe it's Kushida's just going to be on the back burner a little bit because if I'm considering how to book this moving forward, I think Takahashi's my guy.
1: I could see that. Um, I mean, you could stay with Scroll for a while. I guess we're sure. giving away the finish uh, that, you know, uh, uh, Will Ospreay uh, won and became the new IWGP junior heavyweight champion. Um, so I could see a program continuing between Skrull and Osprey for a while. Sure. Um, but, yeah, between Kishida and Takahashi, I I guess Takahashi I would lean towards, but they're both good. I mean, it, you have a very deep, you know, rogue gallery, if you want to call it, for Will Osprey. And the Bullet Club at this point, one
0: and two on the night. Uh, Chaos, two, let's see, I believe that makes Chaos three for... Three for uh, three and zero with yeah. uh, with Osprey, Goto, and Beretta Ishii and Yano all picking up victories. Um, Suzuki Goon not having a very good night at that point. We move on to what uh, a lot of people looked at as a possible setup for um, for the future with an incoming Jay White uh, Switchblade taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi in a singles match for the iwgp intercontinental championship and again a little bit like the um the iwgp tag team championship match this match had good moments but kind of got lost in the shuffle
1: uh yeah i mean i think the finish was an important role in that i was pretty sure that jay white was going to become the new Intercontinental Championship just with the state of Tanahashi's body
0: and the fact that it's not a bad idea to have a younger guy that can come in and take that title that's a really good opportunity for Jay White to really make his mark and be a competitor moving forward
1: yes so for those reasons I was like Jay White is going to win but I can see why they want to keep it on Tanahashi um you know because he is a a, you know household name and um I think that we haven't seen the last match between the two of them. Probably not. Um I just didn't like that if Jay White was losing that uh he would Tanahashi would you know kick out of all of his strong moves that aren't really established yet in Japan.
0: Jay White hit what seemed to be a f- new finisher and Tanahashi kicked out of it.
1: Yeah, so that one's
0: like no and, longer good. And they went to go set up, you know, his his uh, I guess his actual finisher. And he didn't hit it. Tanahashi ended up avoiding it. And, you know, in a way that it's protected. You had mentioned to me, I haven't seen Jay White wrestle in a long time. So you had mentioned to me that it was essentially Sister Abigail. Yes. Um, but never got a chance to hit it. And I, I don't think this does any favors to Jay White. But I, I have a little bit more trust in how they book talent in Japan than they do in the U.S. as far as WWE goes. So we'll see what they do. I, I Tanahashi is hurting. I don't know why you keep that title on him.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they have some. But, you know, all intents and purposes would think that this is the time, this is the big occasion to, you know, get him to this point, then let him go off and.
0: Could you see heal a situation up. where Jay White or somebody else comes and attacks him? Because we know there's another, there is another, uh, the big show that's right after the Tokyo Dome show. Um, that they always do. That courses where AJ Styles was excommunicated from the Bullet Club. What's it?
1: New Year's Rush.
0: I think is what it's called. It's it's literally the next night. So um by the time you listen to this, it will have already happened. But I don't know if maybe Jay White or someone or else comes out Dash. comes out and attacks Tanahashi, maybe writes him out and he gets injured has to relinquish the title that way and that you could build that kind of Tanahashi comeback story later while at the same time getting a lot of heat on somebody like Jay White. That's I, I, the kind of booking decision I would go with, but um, we'll ultimately see what they decide to do. I think I have no problem with Tanahashi being a champion, but he looks really beat up, and his match quality has gone down in the last year. I think a lot of that has to do with how injured he is.
1: Well, his biceps gone his knees are gone you know so he's he's working well, if, on one limb
0: if he doesn't if he doesn't have them he can't tear them again that's true um we move on to what was
1: the possibly main event the uh,
0: the what was listed as main event number one that's true um what was possibly the most anticipated matchup outside of japan that was the notice qualification match for the iwgp united states heavyweight championship between alpha and omega Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. Jericho making his return to Japan in uh, almost 20 years since he last worked a match in Japan.
1: For for, uh, for anybody's company. For
0: anybody outside of He's WWE. He's been
1: with WWE as recently as um, a year and a half, two years ago. Um, but working outside, working for a, a Japanese company. Of course, when he was over there, he worked for War. Um, he never worked for New Japan itself. Yeah. Um, but... He, you know, he has a special place in his heart for Jap- Japan, Japanese wrestling, and um, this was the culmination of that. And yeah, he hadn't worked anywhere else since 99 uh, than the WWE in a wrestling capacity. And uh, we see him here. Uh, he comes out to Judas by Fozzy, Uh Good song for, for an entrance.
0: Easy way to get a license to a
1: song. Yes. He made it. Uh, <laughs> He, you know, he's got his uh, light-up jacket. He's pretty much got his uh, recent style of ring gear on, although on the back is embroidered Alpha in, you know, bejeweledness um,
0: instead of <laughs> instead of Jericho. Um, then Kenny or, comes out. Uh, goat. goat, goat is what he's had most recently in WWE.
1: Yeah, uh, Omega comes out in this Egyptian god you know, headdress and uh he's got little Omega symbols all over his tights. Um he's got of course Young Bucks at his side. Young Bucks come out with him and aren't a factor in this match, which is impressive.
0: I at one point asked you if they were even still at ringside because I did not see them again after the entrance.
1: You see him during the entrance and, and then that's it. And that's kind of a better way to do it in my opinion, even though it was no DQ Jericho was the heel, Omega was the babyface, and if Young Bucks get involved, it doesn't seem that way. Uh, There's a lot of crazy spots in this match. Uh, There was a lot of cool transitions in this match. Jericho going back to the walls of Jericho over and over and over again. Um, There was a good moment where he gets uh, Omega in the walls, and Omega gets to the ropes, um, and the ref starts counting him, And uh, Red Shoes, that is. And Jericho's like, there's no DQ. There's no DQ. So they, you know, in WWE, they would have tried to cover that up. But in New Japan, it it worked. And Chris Jericho made it work. Uh, Jericho is sent out at ringside over the uh, blue barricade into the announcing area where Don Callis and Kevin Kelly are sitting. Uh, Omega does a uh, springboard, I believe. Out over that, misses Jericho hits Callis break goes through the table. Um, from this point on, there's a ton of heat from Chris Jericho onto Kenny Omega. Um, he's pretty much just clobbering him, hitting with everything he can find. Uh, they make their way back to the ring, and they set up a chair in the corner,
0: uh, in between the top and the second rope and uh, Jericho is throwing Omega into it four or five times, and eventually Omega is busted open.
1: Omega is bleeding from the head. Um, Then he mounts a comeback, and he is hitting, I want to say there was eight to 12 V-triggered knees thrown to Jericho with increasing intensity with each knee. To the point where Jericho bled hard from the mouth and um it was it was very intense uh it made me respect jericho more you can tell that these two like working with each other even though it's their first time working together and for that that was a really um that you know if there's any missed timings it you know the few that there were you gotta write off that because this is the first time this is such a different experience for both of them um there was a cool uh, transition uh, at the end. I think it was right before the finish, or it may have been the finish.
0: Really quick, really quick, before you do that. Okay. I just want to point out, and I, I said it when we when we watched it, uh, when we were watching it originally, that Jericho went full like WWE video game. He hit Omega with a chair so many times that the chair literally fell apart. Twice twice and if you've ever played the wwe video games you know that if you use a chair especially recently if you use a chair more than four after four times it'll just fall apart the seat will just disconnect from the rest of the chair that's exactly what happened at one point jericho threw a broken chair at kenny omega's face and he was literally holding the frame and throwing the seat at the same time, it was a great visual yeah. um, that I found very entertaining. Please continue with your uh, creative sequence.
1: So um, Jericho hasn't been able to put Kenny down with the walls of Jericho. Uh, oh, yeah, this is another match where the young boys really got it handed to him. <laughs> Jericho was putting the young boys in the Lion Tamer. Um, so uh, Jericho goes uh, back with Omega, and he goes for the Lion Saw. And Kenny is able to pop up and prevent Jericho from springboarding off. So Jericho is kind of standing on the middle rope, holding onto the top rope, mid lion salt. And Omega sneaks up under him, puts him in the electric chair position, and goes for the one-winged angel. Um, I think that was the first time. Uh, I could be mistaken. But he goes for the pin. One, two. Jericho gets the rope, which is a very intricate Uh, thing to do in a match where you've already said a rope break on a submission won't work but it is true that a rope break on a pin would work so
0: the logic makes sense because we did discuss it right after it happened
1: the logic makes sense because grabbing the rope is akin to kicking out whereas grabbing the rope during a submission is breaking the hold and the only punishment for not breaking a hold when told to is disqualification so it does make sense but it's a very intricate like Mincing of the rules that only like super fans would talk about and, right. and, and, and get. So right. So it was no disqualification
0: versus like false count anywhere.
1: Right, right, right. Because they had to be back in the ring. They could again count it out because it wasn't a no count out. It was only no disqualification. Which, so I liked all this. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, th- I thought for me, of course, um, I guess we should say that Kenny Omega retained the United States Championship, which if you listen to. You know what they said this is a one-time thing that is the only way to finish this match uh for me this by a hair was match of the night
0: i will agree with you and not just because these are the two guys that we may may or may not like the most or the two guys that we you know we're really looking forward to this in a way was a dream match for us we didn't necessarily know we wanted but This was a really good match. It was incredibly well executed. I wouldn't say it was a a five or or six star affair, uh, per se, but it was a really good match. It was really fun to, it's fun to watch. And I know that there are already discussions for us to watch this match again in the next day or two. Um, I would give
1: it at least four stars, but I don't know about five. I'd have to, upon rewatch, uh, I'll be able to decide. We will consult with Dave Meltzer.
0: Yes. Um, and that, of course, leads us to the actual main event, the last match of the night. No,
1: main event too.
0: No, actual main <laughs> event. Um, singles match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. G1 Climax winner Tetsuya Naito taking on the reigning, defending, undisputed champion.
1: Edging towards 600 days straight. Kazuch- Longest reign in New Japan history.
0: Kazuchika Okada... By many estimation, by many's
1: estimation, the best wrestler in the world. Um, Best wrestler of 2017 for sure, and best wrestler in the world. I would say definitely, um, if not second best, if not third best. He's in the top three for me. He's my number one. But it's any kind of a nation, no matter who you talk to, that is in the know. It's either Okada, Omega, or Styles.
0: Yeah, but then that's, of course, the discussion that we had last week. And we both had Naito not very far behind. No, no, no. Naito is an incredible so, talent.
1: These are, you know, top five in the world uh, main event here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Naito comes in with all the momentum. This Every bit of steam is behind Naito, and he is as hot as I think we've ever seen him, which is impressive because he's had some really good runs in the last couple of years. But uh, Naito comes in... Every bit of his shtick works perfectly. His gimmick is on point for him. Mm-hmm. Naito is the anti-hero of that promotion and of, of many people's, uh, many people in the world at this point. Um, and these two have a really good match. I would say a very much worthy of their main event spot. Back and forth, from start to finish, and a very different match than what we just saw with Omega and Jericho, which was so hard-hitting and outside the ring. It told a very different story, and at the same time was still gripping. It was still so entertaining and so fun to watch. Um, This match did a lot for both of these guys, but the finish is very important because the winner of the match is the same guy I said I, I picked to win, but was actually a little disappointed that he did, not because he doesn't deserve it, but simply because I don't know where they go from here. Yeah, Okada retains, um, and at the end of the night, chaos goes undefeated. By the way, um, but Lij only goes, only wins one match. Of course, that is the the tag team uh, title match, and Naito falling here. You know, and it was a lot of Okada sending a little bit of... I, obviously, I don't know exactly what Okada said, because I don't speak the language after the match, but uh, it felt like a little bit of Okada giving some props to Naito, um, saying, you know, I, it, something it, something along the lines of, of respect. Um, but what do you do? Because Naito is as hot as he ever was, and you and you just kept the title on Okada. Maybe this was the time to pull the trigger.
1: I felt that way also, Um, but not because I don't think Okada deserves or should be champion. I just am worried that there's not going to be a believable opponent. It's like Brock would beat everybody, and who's going to fight Brock now? He's Slater? You know, it's after Naito... Not saying there isn't anybody or can bring back anybody or can build up anybody, but I'm not sure down the line where you go and how long you can keep this up without getting stale. Uh, it hasn't gotten stale yet. It's in, you know, arguably just as good as it's ever been. Yeah. But Okada, and
0: that. you had said this last week Okada, the one thing that makes this reign different than most of the others that have been this length in the last five, ten years is is Okada's pretty much the exact same guy. He's not really changed. The only addition he's really made, or the only adjustment he's really made, as far as kind of on a grand scale, is the addition of that Cobra Clutch, which he specifically started using for Naito. So, is that something that he keeps in his repertoire? Is that something where, you know, now that he's... Now that he he didn't actually need it, because he didn't win with it, but uh, he kicked out of a couple of Destinos... What do you do with Okada moving forward? What do you do with Naito moving forward? Because I don't think you can. You could probably kind of carry this on if you want to try, but I don't know how well this works long term. Um, what what could possibly be next for Okada based on the landscape that we're seeing at this point? I almost wonder if it might be Ibushi.
1: It could be. You know, it could be Cody. They could go do that again and you know they could do omega again but i think the next omega match has to be a big thing and can't like i i don't know where you go i'm trying to think who main events dominion with okada because i don't i can't see taking the title off him before dominion uh that would be a two-year title reign at that point that would be a two-year title reign so it's got to be something maybe they'll bring in somebody from the outside i don't know
0: I don't know who could possibly become available in that point in time that that would happen or who might be available currently. Yeah, Um, I don't
1: know.
0: This is tough. And this is is one of the things, too, that will be interesting watching New Japan in the coming months. What are they going to do? Because you don't have an AJ Styles that's coming on the market. You know, you don't have that guy who can just show up and immediately be a superstar. And I just don't see where you get that guy right now. But we'll see what they do. Um, New Japan has earned a lot of faith in the last couple of years. Um, we'll see how they move forward. But at the end of the day, uh, Wrestle Kingdom 12 is in the rearview mirror. Okada is champion. Uh, the Intercontinental, U.S., and Heavyweight Championships all stay home. The Junior Heavyweight, never open weight. Tag team championships, never open weight six man and junior tag team championships all find new homes in what was a fantastic night of professional wrestling start to finish even the new japan rumble was very interesting um for its 31 minute time run yep um some a lot of legends making their way out and uh one tonga um leo leo tonga tall one, and cheeseburger and delirious which delirious was fantastic <laughs>
1: Millieres <laughs> was great. That was good to see him there.
0: So we'll see moving forward what New Japan decides to do. But for now, we are wrapped up. Um, this is a perfect time to say uh, we, of course, are going to be talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling at our panel at KatsuCon 2018 in National Harbor in Maryland. That'll be in February. Currently, we are scheduled for February 18th. Uh, that is that Sunday in the early afternoon. Uh, as we get confirmations on things, we'll of course continue to plug those items. Before we go, any any final thoughts from Wrestle Kingdom? Anything you're looking forward to moving ahead?
1: I'm just looking forward to the continued rise and popularity for New Japan. I think they had a banner year last year. I think everything is set to get even bigger this year. But now we're going to get into the phase where now we're going to have to analyze. What New Japan is going to have to do to appeal to a U.S. market more and to make things more inclusive to people outside Japan while balancing what those in Japan still hold dear um, and finding new, fresh, interesting, believable opponents for Okada. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. I think that 2018 is going to be a more difficult year for t- for new japan in terms of creative in terms of what limbs can we go out on and succeed at that we didn't do last year i'm excited to see what they do in the in the summer uh in the u.s and um what they do with dominion so we we'll, it's gonna be a great year so i'm just excited and you should go watch you should get you should subscribe to new japan world and you should go back and for you know with your subscription, you can watch Wrestle Kingdom twelve, uh, especially the last four matches.
0: Yeah, fantastic night for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Fantastic night for professional wrestling. Anyways, uh, that'll do it for us this week. A shorter episode this week. We just wanted to really hit on our, our thoughts on uh, on Wrestle Kingdom. Should be a really fun year. Of course, New Japan does not stop. They've got another show uh, that. For us, it would be tonight, but uh, when you hear this, it probably had just happened. And, of course, um, the uh, Genesis, uh, the New Beginnings. I always mix up the Genesis show. New Beginnings, (laughs) end of January. That will be their next big show after this week. Um, We're really interested to see what they do moving forward. Thank you for riding along with us. We will be back next week. Stay tuned for the plugs. We'll see you.
1: Happy Rusev Day.
0: Happy Rusev Day. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com Barricade Show. Follow us on Twitter at Barricade Show. You can listen to the show each and every week at soundcloud.com Barricade Show or search for Over the Barricade Podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Follow Lee Brando on Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram at Lee Brando underscore and send him a friend request on Facebook. Just search for Lee Brando and don't forget you can send us an email over the barricade podcast at gmail.com. Send in your suggestions. And we'll see you next week.